Today we got former Hawkeye running back LaShawn Daniels with us. We're going to break down what we heard from Tim Lester, LaShawn's thoughts on it, and fixing this Iowa offense. Plus, on the eve of the Super Bowl, we break it down all today. Locked on Hawkeyes. You are locked on Hawkeyes. Your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, welcome in. I'm Trent Condon. He's LaShawn Daniels, and this is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We're available wherever you find podcasts, and you can also find us on YouTube. While you're there, hit the subscribe button. Helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. LaShawn, well, good to see you again here a day earlier than our normal Friday, but going to have a recap episode for tomorrow with the doubleheader of basketball on the horizon with Penn State on both the men's and the women's side. So thought we'd do this a day early and a little bit closer to what we heard from Tim Lester uh, in the press conference earlier this week. Seth Wallace also named assistant head coach, and we'll talk about that a little bit as well. But good to see you, and on the eve here as we get ready right around the corner, Super Bowl 58. So a lot to talk about. How you doing? Yeah, doing great. Doing great. Uh, you know, excited to be on the pod again this week and, uh, you know, super encouraged by some of the things that I heard from uh, Tim Lester and Coach Ferentz this week. So uh, super excited to dive into that and, and talk about that a little bit. Well, let's get right into it and talk about Tim Lester. We had our thoughts a week ago about it um, for everyday listeners here of the podcast. I think they know my initial uh, thoughts. I thought it was uninspiring, kind of a boring hire. More vanilla. Here we go. Uh, Kirk with his love of ice cream. There's a little more vanilla down your throat, and that's all we we're going to get. And I started to warm up a little bit. You know, the deeper you dive into it after you look back and really the details of you know the Syracuse experience and how bad it was. Well, there were some major reasons uh, for that. The time at Western Michigan, how it ended. And the deep, deeper that I dove, the more excited I got. But then hearing him, I, I don't know if it was a complete 180 from where I was initially, but he won the press conference for me. I thought he was outstanding. He said the things that he needed to. Now that's just that. It's just talking. And until we see it on the field, that's a completely different aspect. But I really thought he knocked it out of the park. I, I think he talked to the fan base. You can tell he's been a guy as a former head coach that's done a lot of media. He was comfortable. There were some fun moments, some goofiness that's kind of in there too. Overall, I was really impressed after finally getting to hear from Tim Lester. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I would agree with, with all of that, I mean, he said a bunch of the things that if you're just a fan of the Hawks, like that, like things that you want to be able to hear. And he talked about, um, you know, the ability of being able to create explosive plays, um, being efficient from the quarterback position, um, and as well as developing um, route combinations and route concepts uh, based on how defenses play um, the offense. So, like, those are some th some things that, you know, we want to hear a lot of it because, again, over, you know, especially over the past few years offensively, we haven't been as explosive as really as we need to be. Um, the passing game has been very, very uninspiring, um, to say the least. So to hear that coming in from uh, your new OC, I think is uh, super, super encouraging. But another thing that I personally really liked is the fact that you talked about um, 
the run game and how being really, really good in the run game is what's going to help move the offense forward. And I know I talked touched on this a little bit last week, but uh, the places that uh, some Lester's coach, especially at his time as Western Michigan, um, when it came to their offense, running the football was a big part of, of what they did and what they did extremely well. And uh, Tim Lester talked about that quite a bit. And he, then he expanded on that and said, the better that they're able to run the football, right? It opens up a lot more things in the passing game. It opens up a lot more opportunities for them to be able to do, do what you want to do. And the fact that they ran a bunch of 12 personnel at uh, Western Michigan, and we've got the tight ends to run a bunch of 12 personnel here at Iowa. I think the, the marriage currently, I mean, it makes, it makes a ton of sense. And you kind of see why, um, Coach Ferentz, uh ended up choosing Tim Lester to be the OC just because when you when you listen to him speak, you're like, okay, this is matching a lot of things that we like to hear typically from Coach Ferentz, and it also helps bring us into more of the year 2024 uh, when it comes to offensive football. So I know, hey, we're it's, it's early. We haven't even seen really what it's going to look like um, on the Iowa offense, right? We'll probably obviously get that first look um and spring at spring ball uh you know about a month and a half but uh for the most part i think it's very very encouraging to some of the things that we've heard from uh tim lester this week when it comes to bringing in his own style of offense and marrying it with what iowa has done in the past and some of the things that iowa does best you were involved uh, early on obviously greg davis coming in and taking over the coordinator it was a rough start to things, but it certainly got very better. And you guys had some prolific offenses there, certainly for Iowa standards, certainly in 2014, 15. Uh, those years were some really good numbers overall, uh, but it took a while to get there. Does it feel like, like, at least on the surface, that this marriage and this melding, coupled with a very veteran team and a very veteran offense, where you have an offensive line with 160 plus starts uh, in their collegiate careers in your starting five. You have a quarterback that's played a lot of games. Now, injuries is a different conversation. A running back room that we talk about a ton. Tight ends. The question remains wide receiver. But being a veteran group like they are and an offensive line that has a lot of starts there, does that make it? How much easier does that make it? I guess I should say being able to do that and do that with a veteran group. You know, I think it makes it uh, a lot easier. I mean, you think about. Uh, those guys, they've played a lot of football. They've seen a lot of uh, different things that defenses have thrown at them. Obviously, they've installed, uh, you know, their own offense a million, a uh, ton of times because uh, you obviously, obviously always install uh, new things every single year. And a bunch of these guys on offense, even though it hasn't been great, these guys have played um, football against some really, really good football teams. It's not like, um, you know, coming in from when – when Davis took over and it wasn't a very uh, that first year wasn't wasn't great. And, you know, it wasn't like uh, Iowa was in you know Big Ten title games at that point in time. Um, anyway, so like these this team that you're bringing it that you're coming in to take over now. Right. It's been to a Big Ten title uh, championship game uh, multiple times over the past two years. And you've got a ton of experience on that offense with guys that have played a lot of snaps and have seen a lot of snaps. So I think when you're bringing in uh, a new offensive coordinator who's trying to install some uh, a new system, I think having a lot of veteran guys that have been around a lot of football, that their football just knowledge is just 
at a high has a, as a, at a higher base than you know some of your younger players, it's going to make it that much easier to install an offense because you can make uh, similarities to you know maybe your your previous system. Um, you're going to start mirroring a, a little bit of the language, and things are going to start are going to be a lot more familiar for those veteran players to to go ahead and to adjust to. Um, whereas if you've got a young team you got guys that haven't played a ton of football. Like it's it's already difficult enough to to move on from your high school uh, offense to you know a college offense, and then to you know go and switch that like you know a year after you've, you've been in the system. It, I mean, it, it's definitely tough. But when you have guys that have played a lot of football that you know are in their uh, you know third, fourth, fifth years, uh, even six years, right at the uh, at and and college football, it's going to make installing that system so much easier and you don't necessarily have to hold uh, your offense's hand uh, your players hands because again they've seen a lot of football they're going to be able to understand the concepts and the things that you're trying to do um without you know making them all confused and having them play at a slower tempo than maybe they would if uh you know they're they're younger we heard not only from Tim Lester, we heard from Kirk Ferentz some thoughts on that. Also from Seth Wallace, the new assistant head coach, we'll get LaShawn's take on that. Plus, quarterback play. Cade McNamara, injuries aside, we certainly know the importance there. Iowa asks a lot of their quarterback. I want to talk to LaShawn a little bit about that and perhaps simplifying the offense. What a step forward that can mean for the quarterback position at the University of Iowa. We'll do that as we continue Locked on Hawkeyes. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday, it's all about getting that best spot on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. And I'll tell you what, Super Bowl, there is so much to like in this game. The prop menu is immense. I'm taking a look at rushing totals. I'm taking a look at under interceptions for Patrick Mahomes in 17 playoff games, just four interceptions in his career career and FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W two three how about 30 not only can you bet on who's going to win Super Bowl 58 but FanDuel also has bets for which player is going to score a touchdown scoring multiple touchdowns in the game yardage totals how many points will be scored and so much more new customers join today you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up that's FanDuel.com slash locked on make every moment more with FanDuel an official sportsbook partner of the NFL Trent LaShawn back with you again on Locked On Hawkeyes. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen every day. Your team every day. That's what we do here across the Locked On Network. LaShawn, uh, starting with quarterback. And I don't know how many times, and, and really this is not just a Brian Ferentz thing or a Greg Davis thing or a Ken O'Keefe thing. It's been during the 25 years of Kirk Ferentz. Well, it takes a long time to learn the offense. And certainly for the quarterback. Why does it take such a long time to figure out this offense? Why is it? that it feels like you have to have a, a master class in order to to do it. What makes certainly quarterback play and just overall the difficult the offense in the past so difficult to pick up right away? Yeah, I think um, the biggest piece of that is, so at Iowa, the quarterback is responsible for basically everything. So in addition to you know getting the play calls in and whatnot, they also have to go up and they have to identify protection changes, identify um, 
who the Mike linebacker is on any given defensive formation that we're going against. Um, because uh, again, the quarterback is the one that points it out. There's other teams where the line points it out. They make those, th- uh, uh, decisions and whatnot. And so the quarterback can just focus on, uh, you know, the coverage they're seeing and whatnot. But when you add everything of all that piece of the puzzle, like it's, it's just a lot of th- lot to think about in, you know, a 40 second play clock. I mean, you, you get the play in, you break the huddle at, you know, 17, 15 seconds left on the play clock. You get up to the line scrimmage, everyone gets lined up. Okay. You see how they're lined up uh, initially. You make that, uh, uh, protection changes if needed, or you identify uh, like linebackers to where you know maybe the line is sliding, or where we're working to in the run game because they still do that in the run game as well. And then now you're okay. You check back up. You got the play clock. We're down to three seconds. Okay, we got to hurry up. We got to snap the ball, and you know go from there. So like right, it's, it's just a lot to think about. Um, whereas hey, you in other other places, or if you run like an air raid offense, hey, you just run out there, you get lined up. Uh, line identifies who they're who they're sliding to, and then you know you go ahead and you snap the ball and you're off and running. So when you add all that stuff on the quarterback's plate, I think it makes it a little bit a little bit more difficult for for them to get accustomed to it. Um, so I think that's some of the, the part of that can make it a little bit more difficult because again, when you add that piece into it, and now when you're calling a pass plays and you're telling your quarterbacks, hey, now we you got to make sure that we're protecting the football. Um, hey, you haven't had a, you haven't had the opportunity to get a good look at the defense, and you don't want to uh, turn the ball over. You don't want to fumble it because again, you don't want to get pulled out of the game or anything like that. So um, it can make it it can add a lot of stress to the offensive side of the ball. And when you're not running the football well, and you're stuck in those third and medium and third and long situations where uh, the defensive line can obviously just just tee off on the offensive line. And so that internal clock is ticking a lot faster. And now you're trying to get the ball out. Uh, it can it can make it an extremely difficult situation for for quarterbacks. So I think uh, that is is part of it. And then when you and then I haven't even talked about you know the audibles and the checks that you have on uh, on plays. And um, when you add that piece into it. And you're always talking, and Coach Ferris always talks about um, with quarterbacks, you know, getting us in the right play, um, making sure that we don't make take a bad play worse, and things of that. Like it's just it's just a lot to think about for for the quarterbacks, and I feel like that's why it takes a ton of time for the quarterbacks at Iowa to really really get up to speed because they have to be able to do all of that, and then on top of that, Coach Ferris has to trust them. I mean, at the end of the day, I me mean, Coach Ferris has to be the one to to trust the guys that are. That are out there that he's going to go out there and he's going to execute as as needed. That's why the past why I know um, the past year for for us was just so frustrating um, for for fans just watching um, you know the offense because it was just a bunch of stuff that we weren't accustomed to. Even when um, quarterback play hasn't been you know as great as uh, we liked it to have been. Just this past year when it came to turnovers and being in bad plays was just something that we just really weren't used to seeing. So I think that was. Uh, pretty frustrating part of the past season but overall that's why it's difficult when it comes to the quarterback position um and being inserted into that uh at iowa whereas running backs hey i mean for the most part <laughs> hey you you do your teller tell you what hole to go to uh you know pass pass protection is a little bit more difficult but i mean you you start to understand it pretty quickly 
so yeah, it's it's definitely a lot easier to be plugged in as a running back than it is as a quarterback at Iowa. That makes a lot of sense and, and really good breakdown of kind of what makes it so important for the quarterback and why we hear that you know, going back and the difficult nature of picking things up. You know, there's another aspect that very well could be coming. It happened in a number of bowl games this year, and that was the communication aspect that we've seen for what, almost 30 years now in the NFL, where the OC or the head coach can talk to the quarterback until there's 15 on the play clock. They did it. Uh, everything that I read from every team that was involved in that absolutely loved it. And having that ability coupled with Tim Lester, not on the field, but up in the booth as an OC, something that I think everyone should. And unfortunately, uh, the old OC was not able to do that after his tirade up in the press box in his first year as the OC and had to go down to the field. That aside, having your offensive coordinator up there, being able to see all those things. Well, Sean, you definitely know the difference there. Uh, that's got to be a huge aspect. I, I know there's play callers, head coaches that are play callers that have to do it on the field, but that eye in the sky, being either an offensive coordinator or being the offensive coach that's up there reeling, how important is that? And being able to see kind of the whole field and and how much easier is it to do it upstairs as opposed to down on the field? Yeah, I think it makes it easier because I can, as an offensive coordinator, I can now make the adjustments on the fly all right, I don't as because again, it's the offensive coordinator. It's my offense, right? We're running on um, the things that I want to run. And if I'm on the field, yeah, I can see a, a little bit, but I'm basically relying on whoever happens to be in the box, whether it's a, a you know offensive analyst, another offensive coach, wherever um, that happens to be up there uh, to essentially relay what they're seeing down to me, right? And make it a little bit more more challenging to make those adjustments on the fly because again uh they're going to be changing how uh they operate after those the scripted plays and i think we saw that i think it really reared its head quite a bit this past season like hey our scripted plays we come out and we're looking extremely well we start off you know extremely well on the offensive side of football but then as the game moved along um, it felt like the defenses adjusted very, very quickly, and then we didn't have a plan for it. And I think part of that is just because, again, you're relying on someone else up there in the box to relay, relay those those changes and adjustments, um, you know, to you down on the field versus being offensive coordinator in the box and, and making those those changes. And as I understand, like being on the sideline is definitely it's, it's nice and, and fun to be able to do that. Um, I think it presents uh additionally like a challenge for your your offensive coordinator being being down on the field to be able to make those adjustments so that's why i like the idea of having the, the offensive coordinator in the booth and then if you add in the part where now like you have the communications in the helmets now you don't even have to go through the middleman of the quarterbacks and you know maybe a receiver coach on the sideline do it signals to your to your quarterback now hey you you see what they do. You see wherever, whatever the situation is, whatever the down and distance. Uh, all right, you, you the offense coordinators up there uh, in the booth. They see maybe how they reacted, maybe the last play or maybe the last previous drive to that certain situation. Okay, now I can make this quick change, and now I can get the play down to my quarterback quickly. I can get us to the line of scrimmage quickly. Now I allow the quarterback to have more time to again do those things that I had just mentioned a few few minutes ago. I can ID, uh, you know, uh, the blitzes that the defense is showing. I have time to look at maybe how the safeties are rotating and in the defense. And now I can figure out, okay, where I want to go with the football. So uh, 
having your offensive coordinator in the press box is, I think, is something that should be done because, again, it it, it makes it so much easier for that offensive coordinator to make those in-game adjustments and drive-by-drive adjust adjustments versus, all right, now you kind of have to wait to get into the locker room at halftime to really have that more of an in-depth uh, discussion to look at, you know, maybe how the defense was was adjusting. So, LaShawn, uh, one final thing. Hearing from Kirk, uh, said he's open to change. I thought that was a, a big takeaway there. But Seth Wallace becoming the assistant head coach. And um, I don't know what that entails. It doesn't feel like they exactly know what it entails. <laughs> I mean, there's some easy things. You know, Kirk, he's being pulled a, different, a bunch of different directions. And we know that from you know, just everything happening in college athletics. There's a lot on the plate of the CEO and kind of simplifying things there. Uh, do you read it as this is Kirk saying, when my retirement comes, this is my number one choice. Do you, can you read it that way, or is it just that? A, a new title for a guy that deserves it. Seth Wallace has had a lot of opportunities. Illinois come after him. Minnesota's come after him. Northwestern's come after him to be an off, a defensive coordinator. Is it just that? Hey, a guy that we need to keep around, and we got to find a way to make that happen. Yeah, I think it's potentially a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's definitely potentially a little bit of both. Um yeah, I mean, Coach Wallace definitely deserves the all the promotions um, because, again, phenomenal coach has been um, has done an extremely good job since he's he's been at Iowa. I mean, heck, he was he was there when when I was there. Uh, obviously, giving the running backs crap all the time because you know linebacker <laughs> coaches, right? I mean, those guys are always we're always going button heads, so uh, it always made sense. But I mean, he's done a phenomenal job as essentially basically being. Uh, you know, Coach Parker's right hand man when it comes to 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 that defense, and um, I think knowing that he has had a ton of opportunities to go elsewhere. I mean, all the defensive coaches has, but um, I think with um, just that his football smarts and his ability as a coach and the way that he's really helped uh, solidify that that linebacker group year after year and have them playing at a high level. Um, it, it makes total sense why he got the got the promotions and um, all the all the races. Now, when it comes to post coach Ferentz, I don't know. I don't know how uh, you know those those talks went. I mean, maybe it was something like, "Hey, like if you know that time comes, right? Like you would be the person, right? To you'd basically have the first, maybe the first crack at you know the interviews and, and whatnot. Basically, be that being a physician to essentially be, be handed off, uh, you know, that head coaching job, maybe almost like how, you know, how state a few years back when Urban Meyer retired, right. They kind of just handed it off to Ryan day, um, you know, maybe in a situation like that, but you never, you never really know what uh, was in their mind and who knows, I could just be, you know, talking just to talk at this point, but uh, I definitely think it is significant that they did that because I feel like that's something that they, it hasn't been something that they've done. And so I think it was extremely unique to go ahead and, you know, make that announcement and especially adding that, that title. And it's not something um, I think that we should just be like brushing aside, but I still think that I see coach parents loves coaching, loves football. And I don't anticipating him, uh, you know, going away, at least not this after this season, but you know, you, you never know kind of what is going through the minds of coach parents and uh, the new, 
final thing on this front, and it pertains to LeVar Woods, who was uh, interviewed for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers special teams job. He did not get the job. It went to somebody else. But the importance of somebody like LeVar. Now, LeVar was not the special teams coordinator when you were there. That was Chris White. But he has obviously elevated things and uh, just how good they are in returns, in coverage units. And this is a guy, I kind of stumbled across this thought the other day. There's probably not a coach that deals with more people on the football roster than your special teams coordinator because you need a bunch of different parts, right? So he's dealing with young guys early in their career, those kind of things. Just the importance of LeVar and your special teams coordinator because he's working, what, short of quarterbacks pretty much with everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's. it's interesting that, you know, special teams coaches don't get more head coaching jobs. I mean, I get why they don't. But it's just interesting because, again, these guys, when it comes to being a head coach, a lot of times, especially if you hire really good coordinators, a lot of times it's, it's you basically essentially being a CEO and making helping uh, everyone else, your other assistant coaches, be, do the best jobs that they that they can, putting them in uh, positions to succeed. And then as a special teams coach, you're going to you're in tune with basically every single situation that pops up during the game, because, again, you got to have the special teams units ready um at any given time um whether it's you know end of half situations you know i see you have your your third down situations you have your end of game situations you know things like that like like as a special team coach you're going to be in tune with with all of that so you're going to have an idea of like okay these are these are the areas that we have success in and and on top of that uh coach woods has coached on the offensive side of the He's coached on the defensive side of the football, and he's done a great job on, on both those fronts. So, um, you know, special teams coaches, especially guys like uh, Coach Woods, yeah, you're you're interacting with basically everyone on a day-to-day basis because most people are going to be in special teams meetings. Most people partake in, in special teams, uh, especially at Iowa. So uh, it's – I love the fact that Coach Woods had, you know, got that interview opportunity for for the Bucks, and it's obviously not going to be his last inter- uh, opportunity. Um, his opportunities are going to continue to grow and grow because, again, how good the special teams units have been since uh, Coach Woods took over. And I mean, special teams units have always been been good at Iowa, but I feel like they've really taken, uh, gone to another level with with Coach Woods taking that over. And it helps. And you have, you know, the experience that he had in the NFL playing, playing special teams and, you know, bringing that to, to Iowa. And I think he's a guy who has made a really, really big impact on a lot of a lot of the players. I mean, heck, you 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 got Cooper DeGene, you know, your, your best player on your football team, you know, running down on, as, a, as a gunner on special teams units. I mean, that that, that kind of tells you, like, OK, like, like the type of respect that that players have for for Coach Woods and the fact that. You know, he's not just going to put anybody out there. If you're the best, you know, player um, to help a certain unit, right? He's he's going to he's going to take it, uh, use you, and, and put you in a place to succeed. So, uh, yeah, special team coaches they deserve all the accolades. They deserve, I think, more opportunities mm-hmm. um, when it comes to you know helping running the ship. But you know, I was super excited to see uh, Coach Woods get that opportunity. But I'm happy that he's staying at Iowa. 
Not alone on that one, LaShawn. No <laughs> doubt about it. We continue here, Locked On Hawkeyes. Super Bowl thoughts in our final moments. Of course, George Kittle uh, getting ready for a Super Bowl. MVP odds at FanDuel pretty good on George putting together a good performance. We'll talk about that. Give you some thoughts on the game as we wrap things up. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And right now, all users will get $100 off when they buy a big game ticket with code Vegas100. What would you do with an extra $100? Well, for me, if I was in Vegas getting ready for the game using the Game Time app, Maybe I'll just throw it on the craps table. A little Yo 11. How about that? 15 to 1. We'll see if an 11 comes up and we can uh, get a big one there. Game Time has killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. I love the ability to see your seat before you buy it. So many different ways. You know, a place like Carver Hawkeye Arena. I know tickets for the women's game that remain are incredibly high right now. Know exactly where your seat is going to be and do it with the Game Time app where you get upfront pricing, knowing exactly what those tickets are going to have. Zone deals also at Game Time. You pick the section section and Game Time picks the seats for big time savings. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Right now, all Game Time users get $100 off a big game ticket with code Vegas100. Terms apply. Just download the Game Time app and use Vegas100, V-E-G-A-S 100 for $100 off a big game ticket. Or if you're not going to the game, use code Locked On. That will get you $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Trent LaShawn, back with you one final time here. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. All right, 49ers and the Chiefs. It is Super Bowl 58, LaShawn. Uh, let's just start at the top. Who do you like in the game? Yeah, so I've gone back and forth with this uh, a million times. And if the Chiefs you know, didn't have Patrick Mahomes, like I would be like, Niners for sure. Like, no real question about it. Talent-wise, top to bottom, probably the most talented team in the entire NFL. But the fact that the, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, and for some reason, when teams play the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, they tend to go away from things that they do best for some odd reason. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I've been leaning extremely heavy with the Chiefs, and I think that's where I'm going to – that's where I'm going to be putting my money is is with the Chiefs because I'm that I feel that good about Patrick Mahomes. I feel like the only time that I bet against him and the I came out on top was when I bet on Tom Brady. So no. like uh, it, I hate you know reducing it down just to, to quarterbacks just because and these are two phenomenal phenomenal teams. But it's definitely going to be a, a battle. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really, I really like the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. I'm pulling it out. I mean, he's been that great in the playoffs and continues to play at an extremely high level in the playoffs. And I feel like in, in games like this, uh, the quarterback is really what ends up making that difference. Guy you know pretty well, George Kittle, um, has become a star in his own right, developing tight end. You obviously what he's done on the field. 
Uh, when George showed up at 190 pounds and he looked at him and he's just a geeky looking dork and uh, what he morphed into. No, he had a lot of fun. He had a personality that went along with it. But seeing that him develop into one of the best tight ends in the game and a career, obviously, at Iowa was banged up for many parts of that. Could you anticipate that? And certainly early in his career when he showed up that this guy was going to become not just a character in the league, but also one of the best tight ends. You know, if you would have asked me that when I first came and I would, George is going to be one of the best tight ends in the NFL. I would have been like, I mean, he's a good player, but one of the best tight ends in the NFL? Yeah. Like, I don't know about that. But, you know, watching the way that he's developing, watching the way that he worked throughout his, his Iowa career to, you know, put himself in a position to be an opportunity to uh, show off his skill set. And the fact that, you know, he got drafted really to, to the perfect situation for him to to, to thrive and, and continue to grow has been super exciting because um, you, you knew he had ability. You always knew he had that athleticism. You always knew he had great, you know, run after the catch ability just based on how athletic he is and how, um, you know, he, his size, how he ended up growing into, you know, being over 250 pounds. Um, and you, you, you watch him develop year after year and you're like, okay, maybe this, this guy's going to have definitely going to have a, a solid NFL future. Um, but, you know, watching him to develop into this year, the best tight end in the NFL has been just been fantastic to watch. It's been, been a joy to to watch him play. And, you know, I was obviously super excited to watch him again in the Super Bowl. And um, hopefully this time around, he won't get called for, you know, offensive pass interference on, you know, deep, deep pass plays. So, uh, fingers crossed for that, but yeah, uh, I would have, if you, yeah, like I said, if you would have asked me that when I was a freshman, George being one of the best Titans in the entire NFL, I would have said like, yeah, all right, man, like, haha, good joke. Right. Um, but no, I, I, I love it. I love, I love George and, you know, love watching him rise into really an, an NFL superstar. 71 right now at FanDuel 70 to one for George Kittle to win the MVP of that one might be worth a couple of ducats just to have a little fun uh, with Kittle in that one. LaShawn, always enjoy the conversation. A lot to talk about here on the football side of things. A busy basketball night in front of us with Iowa, both men and women taking on Penn State. I'll have a breakdown of that one tomorrow. LaShawn, we'll talk to you again next week. Appreciate your time. Yep, sounds good. Go Hawks.